Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we're talking Jason Light, we're talking injuries, and we're talking about more of your voicemails. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, you know, a lot of guys talk a big game, but if you're a one-and-done kind of guy, Blue Chew can even help you get to round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code locked on. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E chew.com. Promo code locked on. L O C K E D O N to try Blue Chew for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. David, on yesterday's episode, we talked about the Dolphins game. We took a couple of voicemails, but some big news that came out over the weekend is something that we have not gotten to yet. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm talking about the extension for general manager Jason Light that essentially engulfed social media and the comment section at bucksnation.com in flames indeed it did a lot of angry people now for those of you that have listened to us for a while you know we are pro jason light people we like jason light we like the job that he's done has he had some misses absolutely show me a general manager who hasn't but all that being said i like the deal I think it was a smart decision by the Bucks. You have tied Jason Light and Bruce Arians together. If there is no Jason Light in Tampa, there is also no Bruce Arians in Tampa. And everybody's thrilled to have Bruce Arians. So uh, for the Jason Light haters club, but you can thank Jason Light for BA being the head coach. You know, it's it makes sense. It's it's essentially what they're doing in San Francisco. And David, as you and I have talked about before, this is the first head coaching hire Jason Light has actually gotten to make. So he is tied good, bad, and ugly to Bruce Arians. The same way John Lynch is tied good, bad, and ugly to Shanahan out in San Francisco. They're letting these two work together, and that's going to be that. If the team burns to the ground the way they have in the in the past 10 years, and B.A. doesn't get them turned around the way we think he will, 
both guys will be out and they'll start over all over again. But they want these two working together. Again, Bruce Arians has said, if it wasn't for Jason Light, he wouldn't be here. He trusts Jason. He knows Jason. He likes him. And that's why he's here. Right. And I, and I saw somebody, I don't. I can't remember if it was on Twitter or in the, in the comment section, like you said, it pretty much just set everything ablaze. Um, I saw someone, because that point has been brought up a lot, where Bruce Arians, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons, the principal reasons he came to Tampa was because Jason Light was the general manager. And then someone said, okay, but the reason Jason Light is still here is because of Bruce Arians. And that's I, that's correct as well. Like if Bruce Arians, I feel like honestly, if Bruce Arians probably said, "Hey, I'm I'm done coaching. I don't, I'm not interested in this." Jason Light may very well have been out of here as well. I'm not saying I'm not bold enough to say it's it would have happened, but I believe that could have happened. However, yeah, like you just said, I mean, this is the first time Jason Light has had his head coach, and that's huge. And I think that when you talk about general manager, you have to have two people who are on the same page, and when the general manager isn't even a part of selecting the head coach. Like you can have an understanding of each other, but you're never really going to get on the same page unless you just think alike. You know what I mean? Like Jason Light working with Lovey Smith can say, okay, Lovey, I understand what kind of players you're trying to go for. And uh, honestly, with Lovey, Lovey had more control over the roster than Jason Light did. So I really don't even like yeah. that's a whole wash. And then Dirk, again, Dirk was kept for Jameis Winston. You know, the the theory was that relationship was going to be good. But again, talking about the kind of the same theories like Jason or uh, Dirk never wanted Jameis to be his court. Like Jameis was never his first choice as a quarterback. And we saw what happened there. Uh, you know, not to rehash everything, but basically we, what we saw was Dirk Cutter spent his entire time in Tampa trying to force Jameis Winston to be a quarterback that he wasn't. So again, you have, you have the first crack really at putting this thing together. So of course you put it, you put them together and you want to give your general manager some of that security that a quarterback needs. You know, you talk about Bruce Arians coming in, getting rid of uh, Ryan, or just not retaining Ryan Fitzpatrick and not going after like a third round draft pick quarterback or, you know, a, a veteran quarterback who looks like they could be a starter type of thing. Because Jameis Winston, he wants Jameis Winston to know that at the end of the day for the 2019 season, you are the quarterback. Like there is no second starter. You're it. The same thing as a general manager. Like you as a general manager needs to know that you are it because if you, think that you're about to get fired, you're constantly making moves with that on your head. And that's never going to help you make smarter decisions. Um, but at the end of the day as well, let's say this team goes 5-11 and 11 this year, and the Glazers are like, okay, okay, okay. We're just blowing this whole thing up. They can fire Jason Light next year. They can fire Jason Light. Like, th- there's no cap penalty. There's no dead money. You know, like There's, there's money, there's contractual money that they're going to have to pay out to Jason Light, but there's not going to be a, a, a sacrificing of draft picks if they fire Jason Light one year into a five year. Like, it's a totally separate type of type of entity. So it's really not something Buccaneers fans need to worry about because Jason Light is still in Tampa, is still a part of the Buccaneers organization five years from now. It's going to be because this team is competing year in year out for a Super Bowl, not because they're continuing to pick in the top five, top ten of the NFL draft. But Jason Light has a five year contract because that's just not how this works. Yeah, and and you and I have referenced for a long time, going all the way back to our old podcast. Um, you know the the infamous quote by Bill Parcells that you know if you want me to cook the dinner, I need to be able to shop for the groceries. And we've talked numerous times about how the GM is an extension of the head coach as far as developing a roster and picking players to come in. So people want to j- blame Jason Light because he's the guy who is 
on the phone with agents and orchestrating deals and, and all that, but he's not going out there and handpicking players that he wants. He's going out there and picking the players that they can afford to get that his coaching staff wants. That's who they've been getting. So if you want to get mad at some of these free agent signings that didn't work out or some of these draft picks that didn't pan out, you also need to put some of the blame on the coaching staff. You know, that's how it is. You know, all across the NFL, we've seen, you know, situations where the GM has gone out and drafted who they wanted to draft, regardless of what the head coach wanted. And those relationships tend not to last. Either the GM or the coach or both ends up getting fired. So, you know, it's not we we put a lot of praise on Jason Light for for what he does and finding undrafted free agents and all this and that and the other but some of that credit should go to the coaching staff just like some of the blame for missed signings and missed draft picks need to go on the coaching staff and not solely on Jason Light yeah blame is blame is to be shared there is no single point of failure when you're talking about building a successful NFL franchise that's just not how the, that's just not how this works for any level, like it, like Bill Parcells is one of the greatest NFL head coaches, you know, to ever work in the business, but he wasn't successful every year. He wasn't successful in every stop as, as successful, at least as he was in other stops. So if the head coach was the lone person to blame, then you know what I mean? Then, then in theory, that head coach would be successful everywhere because if they're the lone person to blame, well, then they're also the lone reason for success. And that's just not how this works. Same thing with general managers. And you see general managers, uh, leave one job and go to another and be more successful or less successful or have a successful season than not be able to recapture that magic another season and end up getting fired. Like it's very rare. Uh, you go back to Thomas Dimitrov um, in Atlanta. I mean, he's been with the Falcons. I think he's the longest tenured general manager in the national football league as a solo general, man, like a, that's his role. Um, that's rare. You know what I mean? And that speaks a lot to Arthur Blank as an owner and his patience. And I don't want to turn this into a Falcons love fest, but there's a reason those things are are rare and there's a reason that there's there's not a you know every year there's not the same NFL team winning you know Super Bowl or winning championships or even going to the Super Bowl. I mean even the New England Patriots don't go to the Super Bowl every year. Like there's never one person to blame. That's where I hate a lot of these conversations. Is it's like an all or nothing conversation. Like it's all at Jason Light's feet or it's all at Dirt Cutter's feet or it's all at Jameis Winston's feet. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. We could do we can do an hour long just on this topic alone, but I think we've pretty much hit the key points that we want to talk about. You know where blame doesn't need to be shared? Um uh, I want to say my bookie, but I don't think we have that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, apparently blame does not need to be shared as far as who is at fault for Derwin James injury. Oh, that's because... definitely your fault. You definitely put that energy out in the universe. The universe took it, swirled it up, boiled it, expanded that that sucker, and threw it right down on top of the Los Angeles Chargers. That is all you, buddy. It was also confirmed by a friend of the show, Trevor Sikama, of course, yep. of, of Pewter Report and the Draft Network and yep. uh, the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 100% my fault that Derwin James is hurt, but you know what? We don't have to worry about that injury because he's not a buccaneer. <laughs> However, there were some key players that missed practice on Monday. Of course, Levante David and Vita Vea are still out. Uh, but a couple of other notable names that missed practice, David, were running back Ronald Jones and wide receiver Mike Evans. Now, we don't really know the extent as to why they missed practice as of recording this. However, something that we were talking about before we started recording, I noticed it on 
on the um, you know on the NFL Game Pass feed, you said that it there was an audible oof in the press box um, during that opening kick return where Ronald Jones hyperextended his knee. Kevin O'Donnell uh, put out a, a photo of that exact moment and that that looked nasty but i didn't think anything of it afterwards you know i i immediately went oh no that looks that looks bad but he was right back out on the field and he was playing and playing somewhat effectively so i really didn't think much of it so i don't know is it to me i'm thinking it's probably kind of a precautionary let's go ahead and let him rest it a little bit and and get back before the uh, the third preseason game against the Browns, but yeah, some some notable names missing practice today. Yeah, I think it's it's more of a yeah. I was surprised when when Rojo came back on the field after like that was that it looked bad. And yeah, like like I said, there were there were definitely people in the press box who who had a reaction to that. That was not good when he when he got off the field, obviously under his own power and all that stuff after the the run and everything. There was somebody I don't know who it was, but somebody said, "All right, so let's let's call it a night for Rojo." You know, I think he's fine. I think it's just, you know, I think it's just, it's really just a matter of being safe at this point. Uh, Coach Arians wasn't really too definitive on what was going on with each of those players. He did kind of sound more concerned about Mike Evans than he did about Rojo. And obviously, anytime you get concerned about a guy like Mike Evans, there's a, that's a big concern to have, uh, especially on this team. I just, you know, with Mike, you just worry that it's a hamstring issue. I didn't see anything in the transcripts or anything. I haven't from from Bruce Arians' press conference after practice today that specified anything about Mike's injury. Just that he, uh, quote unquote, tweaked yesterday. I'm not really sure what that means. Usually he's he's been using the term pulled up when he's talking about a hamstring. So tweaked to me sounds like a knee. But we'll see. I mean, you know, uh, guys like Greg Allman and the Peter Report guys are all there on scene every day. So I'm sure they'll be keeping people up to date as much as possible. But yeah, definitely something to be aware of. Just not something to be too concerned of. You know, two, two, almost three weeks away from the season kicking off. The uh, the Bucks did see the return of Bailey Adams' least favorite human on earth, Scotty Miller, return to the practice field. So that's some good news. I know Bruce has kind of been been pushing that a little bit. You know, he wants to see mm-hmm. he wants to see Scotty back out there because. They're stiff competition, man. Even though he was, you know, a draft pick, that doesn't guarantee that he's going to win a job as a receiver on the initial 53-man roster. So he's got a lot of ground to make up here in the next couple of weeks before they start making these decisions. Oh, yeah. He was somebody, I mean, he was he was like one of the top guys I was looking forward to seeing when I went to Tampa, and he didn't practice a single day while I was down there. He was working. He definitely was working. Like, he was in the ear of people. He was watching. He was studying. Uh, what was happening on the field, and he was hitting the jugs after every practice, which is great, but I wanted to see him on the field. I wanted to see him in pads. I wanted to see him running. That's kind of the big question I had about Scotty Miller entering into training camp because we had heard about him, you know, uh, burning people and weaving in and out of traffic and all that stuff, and that's great when you're in shorts and jerseys and nobody can hit hit you. I wanted to see what he could do once the pads went on, and so far it's been nothing, which hasn't necessarily been to his detriment. Like, I don't, I don't know specifically that it's like a toughness issue you know what i mean but the way the coach arians was kind of calling him out a little bit it, it almost it almost had kind of the feel of like hey like you need to to get out here and prove that you want to get this job so you know we'll, we'll see we'll see what the reports are coming out of practices in the next couple of days with scotty miller and then we'll see what happens in cleveland or with cleveland this weekend but i don't know man like he's to to, to me i really i don't really have any optimism 
until we see it actually happening. All right. Well, David, let's go ahead and hit on these voicemails real quick. Let's hear from caller numero uno. Hey, James and David. It's Leighton. The morning after uh, the Bucks Dolphins game um, in Tampa uh, on Saturday morning here. Um, very happy about Matt Gay and the winning kick. Also happy about the way that Ryan Griffith and um, Tanner Hudson seem to be still connecting and putting us in, in position um, late in games. Um, obviously, this won't be the situation during the season, but it still gives promise. Um, it's going to be an interesting um, week coming up with our third piece of the game where the starters will probably play more. Um, but either way, we know that preseason is more vanilla and play calling. So all the people who are a little concerned about play calling or what's happening maybe in the middle of the game should not necessarily uh, take too much stock into it. Anyway, I uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. David, good to at least chat with you on Twitter. Um, go Bucks and have a good one, guys. All right, Leighton, thank you for the phone call. David, any uh, any thoughts or comments as to uh, as to our guy, Leighton? Yeah, it, it sucked uh, that, I, that I wasn't able to meet up with Leighton. I do appreciate the messages as well. As far as the preseason stuff goes, well, what, what are your thoughts on? Do you have any additional? Because this voicemail actually stirred up a couple other thoughts for me. Oh, I'll, I'll let you just fire away then, buddy. Cool. Yeah. So game three, uh, everybody's excited about game three. Everybody gets excited about game three because game three is the dress rehearsal, quote unquote, blah, 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 blah. However, if you go back to our conversation with Bo Bryce, uh, who's an, it was a Phoenix uh, media, uh, a Phoenix media member who covered Bruce Arians for all those years there, years there. He said that BA is notorious for basically showing you nothing, even in the third game. It's not really so much a quote unquote dress rehearsal. Your starters might get more playing time. But as far as the scheme is concerned, you're going to get minimal uh, exposure. So that's just kind of my warning because I know a lot of Buccaneers fans have been disappointed in how much they saw in week two as far as the offense. I think people were kind of expecting to see the same thing they saw in Pittsburgh plus some. And what they actually saw was less. Again, that kind of comes from having the opportunity to play against the Dolphins for two days. They got a lot of that new stuff uh, because they are doing new installs. So they got a lot of that new stuff out of the way during practices when the national TV cameras, the NFL Game Pass cameras aren't turned on. You know what I mean? So when they got to the game, they were definitely obviously more conservative, which I think is a purpose. The purpose is the San Francisco 49ers aren't going to have anything to study worth a crap when it comes time to prep for for week one. I think that's the purpose. Uh, So now looking at Cleveland, Jameis Winston might get more playing time. The offensive line might get more playing time. You know, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, all those guys, they might get more time. But I don't honestly expect, like, I think at the end of the third preseason game, we can probably reasonably expect to have seen 10 to 13% of what the offense is going to do and 8 to 12% of what the defense is going to do during the regular season. Honestly, that's just, that's kind of my expectations. So I would, I would take that with a grain of salt. Talking about depth players, right? So we already covered Tanner Hudson pretty well. We already covered Matt Gay pretty well. But something I saw today that got me kind of, uh, interested is I saw someone tweet out that apparently there have been teams calling the Buccaneers about trading for Caleb Beninock. Did you see that? I, I did. And it was very confusing to me. Yeah. 
again, I don't know the, the, the sources necessarily of that report. I don't know the validity of it or anything like that. But if it's true, it's weird. But I will say, though, if, if you think back about it, right, as a tackle coming out of the 2017 season, a lot of people were excited about Caleb Benenock and his potential for the future and his, his ability to progress moving forward. When he got moved to guard, we were all a little bit tentative and a little bit like happy to see him getting an opportunity, but like, is this really going to work? Because being a good tackle doesn't make you a good guard and being a good guard doesn't make you a good tackle. Now he's moving back to tackle. And I think that if there is a team out there or there are teams uh, out there talking to the Buccaneers about kicking around a trade, they're looking at him as a tackle. And when you look at it through that, might like essentially what I'm telling you to do is wipe away all the guard stuff that happened. Like if you just wipe away everything that happened at guard, if there is a team trading for him, they're trying to trade for him as a tackle. Go back to 2017 stuff he did as a tackle. He was very raw, very young, very inexperienced. Got it. But there was a lot of promise in him as a tackle. That's what he's been doing during camp. That's what he's been doing in the preseason. Mostly is playing tackle. I can't say he didn't take any guard reps because I, I I don't know that. But I will say that if he took any guard reps, it would be very surprising to me. But I feel like there's value in Caleb, especially when you look across the board at the depth on the offensive line. Honestly, Caleb Benenock is one of your better depth pieces on this offensive line group. So I don't know that the Buccaneers should be so excited and so antsy to move him, even if they have people calling for him, because right now behind, other than Earl Watford and Caleb Benenock, I really can't tell you any offensive lineman that could step on the field in any position along the offensive line without just causing widespread panic um, from a coaching staff position. Like, I know obviously Caleb stepping on the field would cause panic to Bucks fans everywhere, but again, looking at him as a tackle, there was actually some some uh, potential there, at least going back to 2017. David, let's go ahead and get over to this last voicemail. Hey James, hey David, it's Chris at TV underscore Bucks underscore for life. Just wanted to uh, talk real quick about the uh, Miami game and looking forward to this coming week against the Cleveland Browns. Um, first off, David, hey, man, don't talk about my boy Tanner like that. He's not in that same category as uh, Charles Sims, man. Uh, and his name, my nickname for him is Tanner Hansen because he, uh, he catches everything that's thrown his way, whether it's in traffic or he's wide open. The ball's thrown his way, he's catching it. Um, so, uh, okay, yeah, the Miami game was good. You know, it was a sloppy game by both teams. I mean, you saw it on the first string offense by Miami. They were dropping the football. It was wet. Um, so I'm not really going to, like, you know, if this was a regular season game, I'd probably put more stock into it because, obviously, the first team offense and defense would be playing four quarters instead of one series. Um, but the real test that you're going to see all preseason is it's going to be this week against the Browns. Because, uh, you know, your starters are going to play probably the majority of the first half, if not the whole first half. Um, and I'm really looking forward to just Noah Spence or Shaq Barrett or Sue, someone knock Mayfield out. Like, I don't know, man. A lot of people like him as a quarterback. He's kind of like, I don't know. I just can't stand the guy, especially after this whole beer chugging. Like, I, I don't understand why people get so, like, wrapped up in if a quarterback of your starting football team can chug a beer when he should be, like, studying film and playbooks and stuff like that. So, anyways, 
Yeah, that's one thing. My key to the game is just sack Baker Mayfield if you can every play. Uh, I know that's impossible, but try to do it. All right, uh, have a good week, and go Bucks. All right, Chris, thank you for the phone call. And David, did he say Tanner Hansen? Like the brothers that were the 90s boy band, like Mbop <laughs> Hansen? I'm sure it's supposed to be H-A-N-D-S-O-N, but yes, he did say Tanner I am officially singing Hansen. Mbop every time Tanner Hudson scores a touchdown. We don't have time for this. You don't have time for this. All right, Chris, you're not going to like what I have to say. First off, I love Baker Mayfield. I do. My love for Baker Mayfield started when he took the flag and slammed it in the middle of the Ohio State O. Here's the thing. I don't care about the beer chugging. Aaron Rodgers did it. So many guys have done this now. It's not a big deal. And one of the things that drives me more insane than anything is when people see a NFL player out at another sporting event or at a concert. And the comment that we get is you should be home studying your playbook. No, these people are allowed to have lives. They're allowed to go out and have a good time. They're allowed to go hang out with their friends. They're allowed to take vacations. They're allowed to chug beers. Their, their lives should not be 24 seven football. That's not how your job is. That's not how my job is. That's not how every person's job is. Unless you sign up for a job where you do 24 hour shifts. When you leave the facility. Yeah. It's great to put in the extra work. I will not chastise someone for having a life. That's his time. He can do with it. Whatever he wants. As long as he shows up to work and does what he's supposed to do. I have no complaints. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no issues with Baker Mayfield. You know what Baker Mayfield is? Baker Mayfield is the embodiment of telling fans be careful what they wish for because every fan that, that I've ever known has always complained about quarterback speak or coach speak and all this other stuff. Baker Mayfield doesn't do any of that stuff. Baker Mayfield tells you exactly what he's thinking, when he's thinking it, how he's thinking it. Because if you've ever been to Cleveland, that's Cleveland. If you've ever been to Cleveland, their quarterback, their franchise quarterback, chugging beers at a baseball game. That's Cleveland. That's what's going to make the Cleveland Browns yeah, fan base love Baker Mayfield. So what Baker Mayfield is doing is exactly what Cleveland Browns fans want a Cleveland Browns quarterback to do. Now what he needs to do is win because they also want their quarterback to do that as well. Um, as far as him studying his playbook or whatever instead of being at a baseball game, nope, get out of here with that. I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to talk about that. James covered it, and I agree 100. percent it reminds me of videos. Uh, there's a Redskins tight end, Cooley. Chris Cooley was his name. Right? Oh yeah, we've we've talked about this before. Yeah, he shot a video a long time. That's all in this debate or whatever has been going on a long time ago. He he got a whole lot of it was like emails because like Twitter didn't even exist back then. But like he got a whole lot of comments like you should be studying your playbook instead of whatever he was doing. So basically, he had his helmet on and he was like fishing, but he had his playbook <laughs> in his hand with his helmet on while he was fishing and like all this other stuff, guys. Everybody, uh, Chris, man, I mean, especially you, brother, like we're in the same line of work, dude. And and you know as well as I do, like you're not studying for a board 24-7. You're not getting ready for your PT test 24-7. You're just not. There's times you need downtime. That, that's as much as I'm going to say about it. As far as me putting Tanner Hudson in the same category as Charles Sims, look, when I said that, I said it on the show too. What I mean is he is a one-trick pony right now. Charles mm -hmm. Sims was a one-trick pony his entire time in Tampa. 
which is why he's no longer in Tampa. Tanner Hudson right now is a one-trick pony. Take it for whatever you want. If you think that's an insult, fine. It is what it is. It's not an insult. What I'm saying is Tanner Hudson does one thing really well. If he's going to make the 53-man roster for this team, he's got to show these coaches that he can do at least a second thing solidly, if not above average. Um, if the only thing he can do is run routes, catch passes, they already got a, they already got a guy who can do that. And if you're bringing in a number three tight end, a third tight end into your set, you're running the ball. If you're pass, if you're passing the ball, your plan is probably not to leak Tanner Hudson out of the offensive line. Your plan is probably to leak OJ Howard out of the offensive line, which means you need Tanner Hudson's ass and they're blocking, not leaking out. So it is what it is. I stand by my comparison. I mean, you can also call him the, the Ryan Griffin of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Is that less of an insult? He's a preseason stud who hasn't stepped on the NFL field yet. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it is what it is, man. Yeah, but I I gave you grief for it, but I understood exactly what you meant when you said it. Yeah, and and you're right. He, if you see Hudson on the field, you're telling a defense what you're about to do. Until he improves that blocking, you know, it, it's it's definitely not a foregone conclusion that he'll beat out all Claire. It really isn't. So yeah, he's got some work to do. And don't 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 get us wrong. We love Hudson, but we need to see more out of him. If we're going to, you know, and David and I will do our our initial 53-man roster prediction show here in about a week and a half. You know, Hudson's not making not making the roster unless we see more out of him. With that, David, we are pretty much out of time. So let's do our, our house cleaning and get out of here. Please check out everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com. Send us your voicemails to 813-444-58. For one, make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an incredible Tuesday. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. Yeah.